stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm going solo again to talk about trying to time the market. I'm getting a lot of tweets recently about stock investors trying to time this market. I get it. We're in a lot of pain. It's October 2022. Stock market continues to be in the red for the year. It's sliding again. It slid again in September. Uh, Not sure where the bottom is, but a lot of people are down pretty big now. Even if you're just in the S&P 500, you're down over 20% year to date. The NASDAQ is worse. And if you're in ARK-K, it's even worse than that. I think it's down like 70% now in Kathy Wood's flagship fund, ARK-K. So some of you are convinced, however, that you can time it. Some of you have told me that you sold earlier in the year and you're waiting in the side, uh, on the sidelines in all cash, and you're going to wait it out because why take a 20% loss on the S&P 500 when you can sell and then get back in later? But I have several comments about this kind of strategy, as you might imagine, right? The first one is keep in mind, what is your investing plan? Everyone has different goals and timelines. Someone might be investing for retirement in 30 years. Someone may be investing for retirement in five years, or maybe they're retiring next year. So all of those people are going to have different goals for their money that's in the stock market, right? And that's going to influence how you react in a bear market. For example, I have a friend who's had money for her daughter's college fund in the stock market for many years, but her daughter is now in college. And through 2021, it was fine to keep some of that money in equity funds because equities were booming. Everything was hitting new highs. Even if you just had in a basic S&P 500 fund, it hit highs over 70 times last year. But in 2022, as I just mentioned, not so much. So she did tell me she went in and sold some of her stock uh, and went into cash so she could make sure she could pay the tuition and other bills for her daughter for this year. This makes sense, right? But this isn't really trying to trade this bear market. She's just adjusting her plan to make sure she can meet her investing goals. And her goals for that money was to pay for her daughter's college, right? So that's a little different than some of these people who are tweeting at me, and you know who you are, that you think you can time it. They are actually market timing and trading it. That's a little different than, oh, um, I want to make sure I can meet my goals like my friend did. So bear markets are difficult. There's no doubt about it. We're all finding that out now, right? In a 401k account, you may put money into an S&P 500 fund or any like a a growth stock fund and even bond funds right now, and they could be down big by the next day even. In 2008 and 2009, money I put into my own 401k seemed to just disappear as stocks plunged during the Great Recession and the financial crisis. And many of you who were investing back then know how much fear there was in 2008 and 2009. 
I've told this story before, but I will talk about it again. So by March 2009, after month after month after month of a down market and huge swings, we had like a thousand a thousand points down, which was a lot more than a thousand points down today as a percentage of the market on like days when, you know, Congress didn't pass the stimulus. Um it was just like a wild roller coaster. There were, you know, banks going under, there was job losses. It was pretty dark. But by March, 2009, I couldn't take the pain anymore. Looking at my 401k, I would just put the money in, it would be gone. And so I decided to keep putting into my 401k, but I would go into the cash option. It was like the money market fund in my options. I didn't sell any of my other positions. So I kept all my equity positions and everything else I had in there, but any new money went into this cash option. And, uh, as you might imagine, I was not alone. Many others were also throwing in the towel on stocks by March, 2009. And essentially my actions were a signal that the bottom was in and it was. That was the bottom in March 2009 of that bear market sell-off. So basically, I started going into cash at the very bottom. But this is common, right? The fear gets so strong by the by the bottom uh, that you just can't take it anymore. We all throw in the towel and we move to the sidelines and that is when the bottom forms. So people continue to be scared well after the March lows. And many of us were worried that that wasn't really the bottom. There has had been fake, fake out bottoms prior to that where it seemed like the worst was over and it wasn't. So I didn't change back into my equities again out of the cash option until July. Now you can say that's just a few months. You know, I only went into cash for a few months and the other uh, holdings that I had remained in their current holdings. So I never market timed those. And that's not such a big deal. But the data shows otherwise, actually. It shows that even if you miss the five top days in the market, it can really hit your returns. And even just uh, this week, I saw an interesting tweet that someone put out that uh, was from JP Morgan Asset Management. And it talked about what happens when you miss the best days on the S&P 500. So they looked at a period from the 1st of January, 2002 to the end of December, 2021. So they did not include this year, but that was about 20 years in the market. And they started off with the 10,000 fully invested in there. So if you remained for that entire period and you never uh, tried to market time it, you never did anything, you returned 9.52% annually. So that's pretty solid, right? 9.5. That includes the Great Recession years that were huge down drafts. Um, but everything evened out and with the good couple of years recently to 9.52. If you missed the 10 best days out of those 20 years, you know, the days where the S&P is up 3% or maybe 4% in there on a single day, then your return 
was only 5.3% annualized. So just by those 10 days, if you missed the 20 best days, you were up only 2.6%. And if you missed the 30 best days out of all those years, just 30 days, you were up 0.4%. But this goes on what all the data has shown that some of those big days where you do get two or three percent upward gains uh, just can't be replicated later, basically. And if you miss one of those, you really get hammered in your long term holdings. They actually show that if you miss the 60 best days that you saw a negative return over those 20 years. And so you really got hammered about 50 percent down. Um, so your $10,000 was worth only about four to $5,000 if you missed the 60 best days. Now, I know what some of you are thinking too, that, oh, well, this is only talking about the best days. But if you try to market time it, you're actually missing the worst days too. But you really need those best days in order to catch up with, um, you know, what's, what is happening. Even, even missing the worst doesn't help you enough if you miss the best is what uh, all the data has shown. So let's look at what I missed on trying to time the market during the financial crisis. So from March 2nd, 2009 to June 30th, 2009, that's the time where I went into cash with my new additions to my 401k. The S&P 500 was up 25%. I missed that initial big rebound because many of us thought it was a fake out and we were going to go back down eventually. People were still being laid off. It was still very difficult times in 2009 and uh, all the economy was still depressed. Um, You know, it was just, it was still terrible, but the stock market is forward looking. So it was already betting on a recovery. So it gained 25%. By the time I went back in from July 1st, 2009 to December 31st, it was up another 21%. So I would have gathered some of that. But if you miss 25%, that goes a long way uh, over multiple years. It's really hard to catch up on that 25% because you do get these big rebounds off of the lows many times. And for all of 2009, this kind of proves my point. The S&P 500 was up 23.5% that year, but you can see it was up 25% in just those few months after the lows. So that big downward draft really dragged down the year, but it just kind of shows you, do you really think you can time that? I I thought I kind of could. I wasn't really trying to market time. I was just in pain. Um, So I guess I was trying to market time, but I was trying to keep on holding my cash so that it didn't just disappear in the downward spiral of the stock market. And I know many of you are thinking the same thing here in 2022. I've seen some of your tweets where you talk about, oh, I just put in money into my 401k and a bunch of it's already gone. Uh, So Things are repeating here. It's not any different than any other bear market. But uh, the the difference is most of us cannot time it. You think it seems so easy to time it. You can watch CNBC or Bloomberg or Fox Business, and there's all these talking heads on there saying, like, 
no, we're not at the bottom. We won't be at the bottom until January 2023. Or, you know, no, we have to wait in for the 10 year to get up to 4.5 and then stocks will be at their lows. So you think, oh, I can use all these criteria and I can figure out when the bottom is going to be in. And I get it because uh, you want to avoid the pain, right? We're in a 20% plus downturn. And I know many of you are thinking, well, you know, maybe I won't time the exact bottom right. Maybe I um, you know, won't get it all, but, and I'll miss a little bit of the rebound, but I won't be, I won't be like Tracy. I won't stay out until July. I won't stay out months later. I'll see that it's rebounding and I'll get back in, but will you, I don't know. We've had a rebound here off the September lows. What if this is it? What if September was the lows? I don't know. Nobody knows, right? So the better strategy is simply to stay in. Dollar cost average, don't do what I did. Uh, stay in, stay the course, but it depends on your uh, plan, your um, time horizon, what your goals are. But if you stay in, you will be sure to capture the upside. So I've learned my lesson. I haven't changed anything with my 401k this time. And if I do, I'll let you all know because it will be a sure sign of the bottom, right? If I do it again, it's a sure sign. But uh, I've learned my lesson, as I've said. And so you guys can learn from my mistakes and other other people's mistakes during these other downturns. Uh, market timing really is not that easy. And even the greatest professional investors like Warren Buffett all say they don't try to market time because they usually get it wrong. Remember, Warren Buffett in 2008 put out an op-ed in October 2008 saying he was buying stocks. He was buying American companies because he believed in their future three years, five years, 10 years down the road, and that earnings would be higher and he would make money, basically. Um, it was very inspirational. You can check it out in the New York Times. You can still Google it and find his op-ed. But that was in October. The stock market bottomed in March of 2009, so many months later. But he admitted he wasn't trying to market time it because it might it might be months later that the bottom is in. It could be even a year, he said. But he knew for the longer haul that he would still uh, make out by buying good quality companies on the cheap. So what else can you do if you're not going to try to market time it? Well, there's always a bull market somewhere. And um, if you don't want to just uh, stay on the sidelines, but you are trying to look for something that's maybe not as bearish, it's hard to do in a, in a big bear market, however, but there has been some bulls this year in 2022, and we know what the major one is, right? It is in energy, oil and natural gas, the energy select spider funds, the XLE, that's the big, the big uh, you know, general ETF for the energy group. It's up 46.3% year-to-date, so no bear there. Dividend is yielding now 4.25. Very juicy dividend with this one as the earnings are on the rise with all of energy and there's a lot of dividend paying going on in energy companies. So the XLE is heaviest in Exxon, 
ticker XOM, and Chevron CBX. 43% of the portfolio is just in those two names. So if you don't want to own uh, all of those energy stocks, then you could just take a look at some of these individual stocks. So both of those are considered to be big oil. That means they have both production, uh, they usually have like service stations, and they have refining. Some of them will have chemicals, they'll have storage pipelines. Some of them will have uh, big natural gas components. Uh, a lot of them are moving into renewables now because they have an eye on the future too about uh, what will happen in energy. So you're getting, you know, the whole package with companies that are called big oil and both Exxon and Chevron are big oil. They're still cheap. They also pay big dividends. So thought I'd take a look at a couple of just these big oil companies. And I'm going to start with the two that are in the XLE Exxon ticker XOM. It's a Zach's number one strong buy right now. Reports at the end of October, if you're listening to this later on in the year, uh, they've already reported. So make sure you go and check it out. But uh, dividend yielding 3.6% still. So that's pretty juicy. PE is just 7.6 because earnings are expected to be up 144% this year. Uh, up to $13.14 from $5.38 last year. That's because oil and natural gas prices have soared from last year. But for 2023, analysts, they're all being real conservative because prices have come down on energy. Um, they're still elevated compared to uh, 2021, but they're down from those highs at the start of the Ukraine war, which is good for the global economy. And earnings expect to be down 17% in 2023, but that will be variable depending on what happens with the prices. So the analysts are looking for 1091 in 2023, but remember they only made 538 in 2021. So still more than double their uh, 2021 earnings. So that's Exxon, ticker XOM. Then we have Chevron. That's the one Warren Buffett is buying big amounts of in Berkshire Hathaway. CBX is the ticker there. It's a Zach's number two buy stock. And that's because earnings expected to be up 121% here in 2022, but down about only 2% in 2023. So analysts a little more bullish on Chevron for some reason. They are expected to make 1802 this year. They made only $8.13 last year. And then 2023 is looking at 1766. They are cheap as well with the PE of 8.9 and dividend is yielding 3.5%. So all of these big oil companies paying really nice dividends here. A third one you might want to consider is BP, ticker BP, British Petroleum. They are the cheapest. PE is just 3.6, but... Um, they're expected to see a bigger decline in 2023. So 2022 up 123% to 851 versus 382 last year. And then down 20% in 2023, back down to 680. But that's still uh, you know, considerably higher than 2021 here. Dividend is pretty juicy at 4.7%. 
for VP. They report on November 1st. So you might want to tune into that one. And then um, I'm going to wrap it up with the fourth one I like, which is Total Energies or Total Energies. But I think it's Total is really how they pronounce it. Um, TTE is the ticker. This is the French big oil. For some reason on Zacks, we have it under refiners, oil refiners, when it really is big oil along with um, these others. So you do have to watch like to see kind of what category they're in. Sometimes it gets like misplaced a bit, but they're still big oil. They've been around since 1924. There was like a refining strike going on in France. So these are some of the issues you will have to uh, deal with with any company um, with the labor issues. But this is definitely going on in Europe, which is probably, you know, or is in the middle of an energy crisis here because of the Ukraine war. And so that makes a little more risk on some of these European companies. But Total is cheap too. PE is just 3.5. 2022 earnings up 119%. And that's to 14.66 from $6.68 last year. And 2023 down 10.7% to 1309. Dividend is yielding 3.8%. They also have big business in the renewables as well. Like I said, a lot of these companies are spending a lot of money moving into the renewable side of the business. Um, so keep that in mind. There is X number one strong buy as well. So that's Total TTE. So these are the four of the big oils that I consider to be kind of the most stable, I guess is the word you would use. There are others that are cheap too. You can look at the list on Zax.com for the industry. Uh, look, there is one that says like oil majors international, and then there's just like oil majors. You can look at several of those categories on Zax.com, but uh, you'll see other companies on there. And certainly on the international side, you'll see some. And some of those are cheap too, like Petrobras, the Brazilian uh, big, big oil. But there are geopolitical risks there with elections and leadership and uh, just a lot going on in some areas of the world. So I didn't want to deal with any of that. So that's why I picked these four. You can't escape it no matter where you are. I mean, Exxon just had to divest and get rid of all of its um, joint venture with Russia. They had to take a, a charge on that. So there's stuff going on everywhere. But So do your research, know why you own what you own and what the risks are. So I know many of you are thinking, too, that the oil companies have already had the run this year. We're in the two October. It's up 43 percent. It's done. It's not going to do it again next year. Uh, but if you're looking for somewhere kind of to hide out and that might pay you some dividends while you do so, energy is one of those places with the good Zach's rank. The earnings are looking good for this year. We'll see what happens next year but that's more than some other industries and sectors can say right now. So remember, know your goals. What are your investing goals? That's going to drive a lot of your decisions and have a plan. So uh, plans help you contain your emotions. And let's just say I have a plan now 
with what to do with my 401k during this bear market. And my plan is not to do anything. That is my plan. And it's a legit one. And um, I learned my lesson, as I said, from 2008, 2009. Um, in, you might be wondering what happened in 2000 to 2003. Did I do anything different then? And I did not. Maybe because that sell-off, while it was bad turned out to be bad over three years. So um, it wasn't as uh, initially painful or you weren't looking at your um, your totals quite the same way, even though they were down, you know, 20% or something. The S&P 500, I think, was down 48% during those th three years versus what we saw during the financial crisis, which was a lot uh, you know, shorter time period and like a bigger uh, plunge down versus the the slow grind down isn't as hard on your emotions, I guess is what I should say. So I kept staying in the game then. So I thought I, I was good. I thought I knew what I was doing. Oh, sure. I have a long-term investing timeline. I'm fine. Um, and then I still had a long-term investing timeline in 2008, 2009, but the bear scare did get to me then. So, um, like I said, we all have to have our own goals and our own plan, but it is a tough time out there. And, um, sometimes, you know, you think you can time it, but it's kind of just better to stay in the game. So let me recap the stock tickers I talked about. I talked about the energy spider. If you just want to own a basket of the energies, it is up big this year, but you do get that big dividend with it. So if you're just looking for dividends and you don't, you're fine with owning energy, then the XLE is the place to be. So the energy spider is the XLE. And then some of the components, well, at least Exxon, XOM, and Chevron, CVX, are the two biggest components in the XLE, and they're about a little over 40% of the XLE. And then you also can take a look at BP, which is ticker BP, and then the French uh, company, Total, is TTE. T is in Tom, T is in Tom, E is in Edward. And as always, I'm aiming to talk about the topics you're all talking about. And um, we're all in it together during the bear market, but there's still some bulls out there. So we're examining everything going on in this stock market every week here at the Zach's Market Edge. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Amazon Music. You can get us on SoundCloud, of course, and be sure to get the Value Investor Podcast too. There's a lot of value out there right now, a lot of value stacks, and we're talking about those every week as well on the Value Investor Podcast. If you join us on SoundCloud, you can get both shows there. Both shows are also on Apple, but be sure to get us somewhere, and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified 
identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's Investment Research as a whole.